0: Welcome to the Buzzed in Baltimore podcast. I am your host, Jess Mayhew. I cover nightlife and spirits for Baltimore Magazine, and this podcast is an extension of that coverage. We talk about bars, drinks, and the people that bring them to you. We are out here at Old Westminster Winery, about an hour west of Baltimore, and um, thank you guys for being on the podcast. We are here with three siblings, um, so if you guys just want to kind of go around and say your name and kind of what you do for the winery, then we can, we can kind of get into it.
1: Sure. Yeah. Drew Baker, farmer and entrepreneur. <laughs>
2: I like it. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, I'm of course. Lisa Hinton, and I'm the winemaker here.
3: I'm Ashley Johnson. I'm the youngest sister, so I do what, do whatever they tell me to do. <laughs> uh, no, I'm kidding. I, I manage our tasting room and I do a lot of our events and marketing. Awesome.
0: It's, and it's beautiful out here. And we're here, I'm here on a rainy day, so I can't even imagine how beautiful it looks when it's sunny out. Yeah. So I'll have to come back in the summer when Definitely. it's nice Please and sunshiny. Do. Yeah, I love that. So what is sort of the background? Um, how did you guys decide to get into the wine business? Uh, was it always a passion of yours? whoever wants to start can dive right in.
3: Okay, great. Um, Yeah, so we grew up in Maryland. My parents grew up in Maryland as well, so kind of born and raised locally. We really love this state, this area. Um, We moved to this farm in 1999, um, so we did a lot of our childhood and youth here. So not only is the state sentimental, but also this farm. Um, So we really kind of had aspirations to preserve it moving forward between the three of us, and use our passions in doing that as well. So that yeah. kind of led into looking at our skill sets and our education and, and how we were able to contribute best to the business.
0: And why wine? I mean, you can do so much with land, right? So why how why was it wine for you guys?
3: A lot of that was skill set. So Lisa can actually kind of tell you more yeah. about like her personal background, but she's a chemist by education. Oh, that's so um, awesome. Yeah. I mean, kind of fit. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so when we were in college, kind of looking at how we best wanted to preserve the farm, Um, Drew was a business major I was chemistry and Ashley was marketing and that was before we even knew that we were going to start the vineyard and so it just really fit our skill sets and we just fell in love with the industry after um, a little bit of research and kind of digging and and so it worked. That's so cool it's like the trifecta all those little (laughs) all those different skills. It's crazy the way it came together so
1: like farming is really my passion my Mm -hmm. interest and so sort of um when when, when we assessed not only our skills, but also our farm, uh, we felt like this particular place and these particular soils could make some really interesting wines. Uh, So Easter weekend 2011, two months after I graduated from college, we planted our first 7,500 vines. So it's really been 100 miles an hour since day one. And, um, you know, every year I've I've learned and fallen more in love with, with farming and particularly wine, because wine has a sense of place. Like it Really right. reflects where and how and by whom it's grown, and uh, and then and then also the winemaker has some fingerprints on this process. But um, I would say more so than any other product, it's really ingredient driven. Right. There's very little process and and mm-hmm. recipe involved. Um, it, it's really just a direct transformation of of grapes to wine, and um, that's sort of the beauty and also the challenge of it. So it's, yeah,
0: and what's so cool about wine, right, is that. Y- And with a lot of products, you wanna just mimic what you do over and over again and make it consistent. And for wine, it's all about experiencing that individual yeah it's, it's of so so it's we say
1: right' it's, it's right. time and place right so like yeah. our place is here yeah. uh, and then and then our wines vary from year to year we have a couple of wines here on the table that are sort of fun to see and these are two vineyards that are 20 miles away from each other and and, and three vintages in between the two and they're just like vastly different mm-hmm. and I I would say both have their own interest um, but it's just fun to set them beside each other and realize that it's the exact same grape varieties yeah treated in the exact same way by the same winemaker, the only difference is, is vineyard and vintage. Location. And, and location. And and, uh, and that's sort of the magic of wine for mm-hmm. us. And we've kind of fallen in love with the time, the place, the history that, that, that wine offers. Mm-hmm.
0: And so you were saying that the, the wine that we were drinking was made at a um, vineyard in Thermont. Mm-hmm. Um, but now are you growing everything out here and making everything out here? So or?
1: there's a couple of vineyards that we work with here. Okay. Everything is from Maryland. Um, this year, our home vineyard uh, will yield... Um, um, knock on wood, 40% of our production, right? So it's farming. There's some variability, yeah. uh, but based on, based on vine count, acreage, variety, we anticipate about 40% of our production will come out of this vineyard. We have another vineyard out in Hagerstown okay. called Cool Ridge Vineyard. And this is also like a really big portion of our production between mm-hmm. the two. It's 90% of our production.
2: And then we have small
1: farms mm-hmm. that we
2: also work with. And so Lynxbridge actually in 2011, Linksbridge Vineyard is where this was grown, but it was produced here okay. at our
0: that's yeah. right. And this, you uh, talk about this wine we're drinking. Is this the Cab Franc? Or is yes. yes a, it yeah is. Yeah. Yep. We're drinking both our Cab Francs. It's very delicious. It's really, <laughs> really good. Um, Kind of more brown in color, we were talking sure. about a little well, bit. Sure. Well, just
1: a little bit about this wine. So, so 2011 is like notorious as like the worst wine in Maryland, or the, the worst, the worst vintage, vintage in Maryland history. We had a tropical storm and a hurricane oh, in that's September. Right. Uh-huh. Irene and Lee, we had 28 inches of rain in September, which is like I mean, absurd. It's devastating yeah. for wine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And yeah. so, the fact that we were able to salvage, um, you know, a, a, a relatively interesting wine that is aging fairly gracefully is like really like we actually hang our hats on that in our very first vintage so like this wine actually um you know garnered a lot of press for us and sort of you know got us started uh in making a in making a nice wine in a really tough year um, That's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. There, so were people,
2: there were people who said about this wine, like if you can make wine like this in 2011, then you can make wine from any vintage. And imagine so, what yeah. you can
0: do in the future. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And then you have a good story to go along with it too, right? Because you can talk about the tropical storm. Yeah. And, um, so, what is it about the land out here and the land that you, that you guys work with? And I know so much is the soil and the elevation and you know the sunlight it gets. So, if you could talk a little bit about what what you think produces such great grapes out here. You wanna talk about it? Sure, sure, yeah,
1: I think you just hit on like three really important okay. points, like elevation, soil and sunlight, right? So like ele- elevation um, all in addition to it, elevation and aspect can offer sunlight mm-hmm. um, but then it typically al- also comes with with breeze right so um, with our elevation here breeze and sun are nature's antibiotics mm. um, so so you really want a lot of those two things and um, here on on the route 20 the route 27 corridor it's called Ridge Road for a reason it goes from it goes from Clarksburg and Damascus all the way up to the Maryland line and you're gonna find yourself at 800 to thousand feet of elevation all along the way whereas Baltimore huh. is at Level and if you go out to Frederick, you're back down to 200 feet. So I didn't realize it was
0: that different in Frederick. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a mid Maryland ridge.
1: Um, So Frederick is very much a valley, and you won't find this elevation again until you're out in the Appalachian and the Blue Ridge range. So that's sort of why we like this this region. And then we also have some really interesting rocky soils. So this is our home vineyard. We're fortunate that like we didn't handpick this site, it's where my family happened to live, and it turned out that we're able to make some pretty interesting wines here. but we actually just bought a new farm called Burnt Hill, um, which is about 20 miles south of here, also right on Route 27. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that vineyard uh, has very similar elevation. Even rockier soils, um, it's sort of on top of the world. Like the elevation and local aspect, you can aspect, you can, you can so see the awesome. whole Blue Ridge on the horizon. Oh, that's um, so really steady year-round breeze, lots of sun, lots of wind, and, um, and really great soils. So mm-hmm. that's sort of the new frontier for us. Burnt Hill, you said? Burnt yeah. Hill, yeah. Yeah. That's
0: really cool. So how many farms do you have now total then?
1: That is number two. That's just so number two. So here's yeah. one and there's two. That's yeah. cool. Are you
0: going to do a tasting room out there too or is that...
1: Maybe someday. Maybe eventually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's going to start as a farm. So like uh, we're going to be planting 30,000 vines in 2019. And wow. we'll, between now and then we're kind of laying a foundation, yeah. building our soils, um, doing some biodynamic practices encouraging biodiversity, just soil health, mm-hmm. and then when, when everything's ready and we sort of understand the rhythms of the land, we'll plant our first 30,000 vines. That's mm-hmm.
0: really exciting. Yeah. That's so yeah. cool. So was there like a specific philosophy when you guys opened, did you want to be a certain kind of winery? Maybe this your marketing background kicks in for that or for Lisa, yeah. um, like, you know, did you want to do kind of outside of the box stuff or were you looking to be more traditional, like what was yeah. sort of your idea yeah. going in?
2: Yeah. No, I would say that... Um, We know that great wines can be made here, Mm -hmm. and so our approach is really just to reflect a time and a place, like Drew was mentioning, um, wine more than any other product in the world reflects where and when it's grown so um, our style in the vineyard is or in the winery is just to reflect what we get from the vineyard right Um, and so that offers a lot of interest um, just where a wine is grown Um, but additionally we're very experimental in in the cellar and that allows us to really make some interesting wines outside of just um where they're grown like stylistically we make wines um pétient natural which is an interesting style of sparkling wines um and we just orange wines which are skin fermented pinot gris Um, yeah, so it's just experimental and-
1: We're making some style of wines that have never been made in Maryland. So it's it's sort of like what's old is new again. Like these are classic European styles of wine that have long been forgotten and it's fun to sort of not only revive that style, but also bring it to a new place. And what's what's
2: really funny and interesting is that, um, styles of wine that we're producing here for the first time in Maryland are wines, like Drew just mentioned, that are ages old in Europe. And so it's really fun to kind of um, revitalize and bring them back to life yeah. in this region. And then
0: your people here think they're brand new. exactly. So, yeah. And the orange wine craze, I feel like, was it like a few years ago that was really getting... So maybe you kind of came at, at the right time for, for that yeah. trend. I feel like people are... Really getting up there. Maybe it was last summer. I can't remember. There was. I feel like I was reading about it all it's, over. The I mean, place.
1: it's really it's millennia old. Yeah, um, <laughs> and and yeah, there there is sort of like this draw which we're. Very big fans of back to the classic styles of wine. So it's it's less ingredients, less additives, um, a lighter hand by the winemaker, and and that is sort of a, it creating sort of diversity of style. Mm-hmm. And that's really that's really fun about wine, and we love that it's going back that direction because in the '90s, early 2000s, there was sort of there's this widely known phenomenon of the Parkerization of wines, where right. you had sort of very few. Wine critics that were determining how wines were perceived by the public, and they all had their favorite style, and they would. And
0: it's all subjective. Well, it's all subjective,
1: and it was driving producers to try to make wines that these sort of gatekeepers loved
0: interesting and, yeah. and
1: and then sort of like all and then wine really sort of there was like this homogeny of, of style in right. wine and it's fun now that like you know the pendulum has gone back the other way and now it's like what can i do that's unique like yeah. every it's all about trying to make something that is that is special and fresh um even if it's been done for a millennia yeah. just bringing it back to the forefront so
0: it makes uh, it way more fun too because you can experiment and I don't know. And then you can get into like way different food pairings and. Yeah. You know, and all to that piggyback
3: on it, I think that we're a young industry, mm-hmm. Maryland as a whole in the wine industry. So we're able to plant varieties and experiment, and not only in just like the great variety range of what we're able to plant and experiment yeah. with, but also in the styles of wine. So. I think we we like to push the envelope and see what mm-hmm. see what this state is capable of doing so
0: right because it's like america's young in the wine industry and then maryland's even younger than that oh, yeah. right so
3: it's it's
0: you don't really have these precedented boxes that you have to right. be in which yes. is kind, must be kind of freeing yeah it there is testing. there's
1: freedom in it definitely. Definitely. for sure and 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 we're working with varieties that in the old world in europe you'd never find planted in the same place like we have a, a vineyard with with alberino and chardonnay and cabernet franc <laughs> all sitting side <laughs> by side by yeah. side and like this sort of thing is that would be like taboo
0: right exactly exactly yeah Yeah.
1: whereas here those are three great varieties that actually all suit our region particularly well never mind where they're from so we're all about trying to find varieties that sort of play well here and that we can make the best wines from and then and then sort of celebrate that as sort of as like Maryland's unique flavors yeah Mm -hmm.
0: that's so and this might be kind of a silly question but does it matter that does does it affect the grape when it's being grown next to a different kind of grape? No. no. Or does that, that, that doesn't factor into it? Mm-mm. Okay. No. Just, just curious. Yeah. <laughs> Good question. And how would you guys sort of describe the the wine scene now in Maryland, like compared to maybe five years ago? Do you think their perception has changed? Do you feel like you've done anything to change it? Or, um, you know, how, how would you sort of say what it's like right
3: now? The first word that came to my mind was energized. Yeah. I think that this en- this industry and producers are believing more than ever that great wines can be made. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to think that we were able to contribute uh, some aspect of that as as well as some other great Maryland producers. So we're definitely not the only ones in Maryland that are are creating great wines and that's a good thing. We don't want to be the only ones. Right. So
1: yeah, a rising tide floats all boats. So yeah. like, we're a big fan of anybody that is making thoughtful and delicious wines in Maryland. Yes. Yeah. Right now, you know, two and a half percent of the wine that's consumed in Maryland is Grown, grown and produced in Maryland, right? So like the 90 wineries in Maryland collectively have a two and a half percent market share. So wow. I, I tend to think like we're not competing with each other. <laughs> we, we should really be working together and celebrating each other. And that's what I love about our industry that that mm-hmm. is happening. You yep. see yeah. a lot of collaboration. Mm-hmm. We work with seven other Maryland wineries right here in mm-hmm. our winery. So sort of that sharing of information, the sharing of skill and equipment and technology mm-hmm. is like, I really think it's pushing, it's, it's really kind of pushing the ball Uh, And it's exciting to be a part of.
0: Do you think there were certain maybe misconceptions about Maryland wine that you guys saw as as hurdles maybe in the beginning that or maybe you still see when you are maybe traveling nationally and you say where you're from or even locally and and people think, oh, Maryland wine, you know, is it is it that great? I mean, what do you how do you guys
2: kind of see that and how do you deal with that? It's been fun to kind of see how we've changed our answer to that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, definitely, like originally, there were these um, conceptions of Maryland wine and kind of the history of where we've been. Um, but even when we travel now, like we don't shy away from where we're producing wines mm-hmm. or what we do. Um, maybe like the first year, we'd be like, "Oh yeah, we grow in Maryland," and it was just kind a little you know, kind of defensive <laughs> and shy. Yeah, right. Um, and people need
0: something to prove. I always like the head toe when you like say you're from Baltimore, and people are like, "Oh, that's cool," and you're like, "Right." No, oh, it actually is really cool. Right. Yeah. And
2: and now um, we say it with such like confidence mm-hmm. and pride. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And pride really just in our industry and where we're going, um, and really how far we've come. And That's so there's absolutely nothing to shy away from, and, and we're
1: confident in that. Well, and, and I think a lot of our confidence has stemmed from our from our ability to make great wines, and right? So, like in yeah. the er, in the early days, I, I think there was for me there was always that little voice in the back of my head that was like, you know, what if your wines aren't any different? Like yeah. you're going out there like saying all of these bold things, like what if you don't live up to it? Right. But now I'm I'm sort of more excited than ever before because like I actually we have seven years of evidence of what we can do, yeah, and. And, yeah, it's energizing. The
0: proof is is in the pudding. It Um, is, yeah. And I know that the governor, I know you, Drew, and I'm I'm assuming all three of you probably have worked to make uh, March Maryland Wine Month. Um, So that's got to be really exciting. So talk about maybe just, you know, working with the legislature and and getting – Obviously, the breweries have had their their battles recently. Sure, yeah. But um, you know, working on that level because it becomes you know it becomes political at, at a certain point, and getting the importance of wine prioritized.
1: This, yeah, it's 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 been really a, a, an adventure for me. Um, nah. I spent more time in Annapolis <laughs> this year than in my entire life. Wow. I testified for the first time. So yeah, the the breweries and wineries and distilleries were all all, all farm alcohol producers have kind of been on defense on the defense yeah. a little bit this year, and and having to remind. The legislature that we're farmers, we're creating jobs, we're creating opportunity in rural economies like like St. Michaels, like Carroll County, Maryland. Like these are places where if you erase our businesses, like they're not easily replaced. Um, so yeah, we, we have to go and, and and remind the legislators of that. But like what I can say is that Comptroller Peter Franchot and Governor Hogan. That's they're that's a Republican and a Democrat. Yeah. They work really well together, and they're incredibly supportive. And yeah. um, they've really gotten behind the brewers, distilleries, Absolutely. and wineries yeah. equally. And it's so refreshing to have that sort of cross cross yeah. party line support. And when yeah. we show up, they're there together, and they're both sort of really preaching for us. I mean, you've seen the breweries have a big battle Peter right Francho now. Peter
0: Franchot is he's
3: awesome.
0: I mean, He yeah. speaks it like it is, and, and, yeah. and, and he doesn't. And, you know, and, to- like he doesn't. Uh, tell his his opinions just He'll to. They'll call a bad
1: or, bill a bad bill, right. and it's refreshing. Yeah. And um, yeah, so it's been good. Gr- so like uh, on on the one hand, we've kind of been on the on the defense in the legislature, but I think that we've sort of been successful this year. Yeah. Um. But but it's it, it's really been we, we owe the comptroller and the governor a lot of help, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of thanks. So yeah, yeah.
0: Because at the end of the day, I think you know it it's way more than alcohol like you like you were saying i mean you're you're farming it's agriculture it's jobs it's community it's small businesses and I think that sometimes people, you know, just sort of judge it as, oh, it's, it's just it's, it's de just facto wine and land like that. preservation right. too. Right. I mean, these right. vineyards, yeah. if
1: tended uh, well, will outlive us, and it's right. and it's de facto land yeah. preservation. It's good for it's good for land values in the neighborhood. Just like everything about it is positive, right? Um, so so it's encouraging that in the past since 2000 we've gone from 15 wineries to 90. That's exciting, yeah. but but we right. also need to understand that sort of the other side. There's some caution. Mm-hmm. Um, about like well how big are we going to let this thing grow and yeah. we just need to sort of you know be in annapolis and remind people that like that like this is the future and mm-hmm. that like corn and soybeans is not sustainable on right. small farms anymore so like really yeah. the idea that there's more small businesses is a good thing so right. yeah totally it's, it's a message that that's important and we just need to get out and tell it. Yeah.
0: No, you guys have been doing a great job doing that. Um, and I wanted to give you guys a chance to brag a little bit. Um, you've gotten some great national press in the past few years. Um, was there a moment when you kind of read something and you were like, holy shit, like, (laughs) I can't believe that this publication said this about this wine. I mean, do you remember having any of those moments along the way?
1: We've had a couple. Yeah, it's been really know. exciting <laughs> last year. In the early days, none. In yeah. the last in the last year, it's, it's happened a few crazy. times. Yeah. Yeah. It's been really For me cool. it was that moment when the daily meal um, included us in their list of the top 100 wineries in America. Wow. Yeah. And just we squeaked in at number 99. And it was just like <laughs> there's there's 10,000 wineries in America That's nice. and That's there's the top 100%. Yeah, there's 75% or 75 of the wineries on this list are from California. So, you know, there's only 25 wineries from the rest of the country that are on the list and yeah. to see our name on there was just like mm-hmm. really a proud moment for mm-hmm. me. Yeah.
0: And Wine enthusiasts, you just
3: had a recent yeah. write
0: up yeah. Do you want to talk about that a little bit.
3: I was going to say Wine Enthusiast for me was probably one of the more exciting as well, just because the past seven years that we've been in this industry, we've been reading that magazine. Yeah. So for it to come in, in the mail and us open it up and see that we were kind of listed as one of the top leading wineries in Maryland was just, again, really rewarding and uh, honoring too. So yeah. really excited about that.
2: For me, um, indefinitely, it was Punch Magazine, mm-hmm. um, writer John Bonet who it's had, a great magazine. It's a great magazine, yeah. yeah. Um, and he wrote about our Pétillant Naturel, um, and called us the outlier which like couldn't oh, be more of perfect. a compliment yeah and so I've read him for years um, even before like when we were first getting into the industry I just loved his writing style um, and he's just he's just great um, so I've always said like I remember saying to Drew if if Monet ever even tasted our wines or ever even mentioned us like I would be done. Like that's all I would need in life, and um, and so when that happened, that was kind of a, a surreal moment for me. It's cool
0: when those you say that those moments happen, and then you still continue to work forward. And you're <laughs> like, what else can possibly? I'm like, in? dang it, I can't stop working. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I gotta
2: keep going. <laughs> that's true. And
0: I feel like your Alberino has gotten a lot of press too. Yeah. Um, so that must be a. a particular
2: well it was the first one that we released too yeah Um, and so that was we're the first ones who created that style of wine in the state um so that was kind of a big deal but also that was the first one we we made it with three different varieties um last year and that was the first one that we released and so it got a a lot of attention um but i mean all of them all three of them were super interesting really delicious Mm -hmm. and we continued to make them this past year as well that's so
0: cool yeah um and if you want to maybe i mean just to describe for folks out here it's really beautiful there's a tasting room and um, we're in the, the house now, but then it looks like next door is where a lot of your casks and, and barrels yeah. are. Um, so, do you want to talk just briefly about kind of the, the process and um, how it works for you guys out here, and just sort of walk people through like what yeah. they can see if they come out here?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So um, you're right, that kind of off to the side behind the house is the production facility, and that's where I live most of the time. Um, (laughs) I've seen your videos. You're in your like hunter boots. Yeah, yeah. exactly. exactly. Um, So that's where I spend most of my time, and that's where the production happens. Um, During harvest, it's kind of crazy and not romantic, but when it's quiet out here, um, it's really interesting to go and just see where the wines are made. Um, and then, Ash, you want to talk a little bit about the tasting room and weekend experiences?
3: Yeah, I think one of the most exciting things when you come to the farm is that you see the vineyard, you can see the winery and the tasting room. So a lot of our wines, especially our home vineyard, our Chardonnay, for example, or the Cabernet Franc, this, these grapes were grown on our farm. They were processed here with Lisa, kind of tending them and shepherding them. And then we carry that finished product to the tasting room and they're sold. So a lot of these wines never leave this farm before the consumer can come see that experience, connect with it, and taste it directly. And that
0: doesn't happen a lot in Maryland, right? I mean, not every winery um, can say it's literally all done right right Right, here. So that's got to be exciting. And you guys, um, so I have to say, I first heard about you because um, my friend Amy Langrier, Charm City Cook, came out here and she's like, it's so beautiful. It's so cool. Um, and I need, I need to come out here for like an event in the, in the summertime. So, so what do you guys sort of have going on, um, in the warmer months and if people wanted to come out and experience?
3: Well, we're open every weekend. Um, we're open Fridays from five to 10 and Saturdays from 12 to 5 PM. Um, in the summer months between May and October, uh, we have live music on both Friday and Saturday. Um, And we really focus on a wine-centric experience as well as a customer-centric experiment. Mm -hmm. So uh, really having something that incorporates the local farming, um, supporting local farmers as well, not only just what we do. So we like to partner with local vendors. Um, So on Friday nights every, Friday this summer, we have uh, food trucks coming. So like awesome. Well Crafted mm-hmm. Pizza, Brick and Fire Company, uh, Dizzy Cow Pizzeria, they'll be coming out and people can experiment, experience our wines, mm-hmm. local food and live music. And I love
0: that Well Crafted
3: truck too, their the Well
0: Crafted Food, wine and live yeah. music, it's yeah. the trifecta on a no. nice
1: Friday night in the summer.
0: Totally, that's Sorry. awesome. And so everyone can experience that every every Friday night yep. through... May through May October. October, so May six October. months
1: out of the year. Thanks. The good six months. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's, that's so
0: cool. Um, and I'm trying to think, um, oh, I was going to ask you guys just about working with each other as, as siblings and as family. Um, you guys are not the first family that I've interviewed about this. And, um, it's just always interesting to me, the aspects (laughs) of it, like, Maybe, you know, maybe you can't picture it any other way. Maybe it's easier because you're family. Maybe there's struggles. But do you guys ever have, you know, any? That's a really
1: great question. We get asked all the time. How (laughs) do you guys stand each other? I can never work (laughs) with all of my siblings. Like, tell me how you do it. Um, So actually last week, Ashley wrote a blog about sort of like the three things that that we try to sort of instill in our relationship to like sort of balance like work and real life. So Mm -hmm. I don't know, Ash, you should probably answer it.
3: Yeah, um, I mean, obviously, (laughs) undoubtedly, like, we have differences, we have different personalities, like, we communicate differently. For example, they both love to document everything on their computers. And I like to write things on paper. Yeah. I you know. Know. I'm no, with annoying. you, girl.
0: I still I'm write things fashion. on paper, too. I like yeah. to have
3: paper, But then I lose that paper, and they get so mad at me. So.
0: I try to do <laughs> both if I can, which seems a little repetitive. But then I feel like I remember it. If I, I do the same thing. Yeah.
1: yeah. I do the
3: same thing. I'll, I'll figure out everything on the paper, and then I'll put it into the computer. And then she
1: <laughs> acts surprised when she forgets about appointments. And we get
2: mad. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Anyways. So, like, like little quirks <laughs> like that. Yeah. 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 Yeah,
3: exactly that's like a small example of, of things that we run into just from working together um, but I think over the years we've really learned that we can put those differences aside um, we can really kind of like encourage and speak to each other's different personalities and I think that that's something that through working so closely together that we've been able to incorporate so just kind of Celebrating all everyone's like small victories, um, yeah. not letting like the small things really kind of eat at us, and yeah. communicating through things. So I think that overall, that's been game changers for us. Yeah, that's
0: great. What do your parents think about all of this? Are they like stoked? Are they like surprised? Are they? You
3: know, like they're, they're
1: both uh, all, all of the above. <laughs> it involved. depends on the day.
0: Yeah, they love it, and they're involved. They,
3: so I think it, it's it's nice. We have a good balance with them, and I think they are. They're proud and they're very supportive, but. We also incorporate that I think
1: they're I, they're very proud and they're supportive and they love things where they are and that mm-hmm. everything is working. And then it's, and then right out and of the gate, and then we're farm. like, Hey, we need to go buy this new farm and do this again. And they're like, Whoa, but isn't this so great? Yeah.
0: It's a lot of change. <laughs> right. And then, right. Well, they're was, like,
1: isn't this the finish line? <laughs>
0: and you're like, no, not quite. Not for us. Right. We're just getting started. Yeah. Right. <laughs> And did you like expect to be this successful this quickly? I mean, it seems like, you know, there's been wineries, certain wineries in Maryland open for a really long time, but you yeah. guys are really getting, gaining this popularity. And obviously you would, I'm sure you'd hoped that this would have happened, yeah. but was it a surprise for you guys?
1: Just make great wine and yeah. provide a good experience. And that's sort of like what, that, 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 that was like the, uh, um, equation that we were working with from the beginning and yeah
2: yeah. we were never shooting this for a finish line that says like this is when we know we're successful like we were set out to produce great wines from the state um, and reflect where wines uh, reflect where the wines were grown and the year Mm -hmm. Um, and other than that it's just to continue getting better and to learn and to change and and there's there's really no finish line now I mean we just can we continue to just develop and change yeah,
3: I think we're excited where we are but there is also excitement in how much more we can go and the industry as a whole so I think that there's just so much opportunity and so much potential and and we're kind of just like getting started on it yeah. so yeah. the
1: collective 90 wineries in Maryland could double both in number of wineries and in market share and it would still reflect 5% of total consumption wow. in Maryland so <laughs> right. i feel like there's just a lot of the pie that we're still chipping yeah. away at yeah. so yeah it's exciting there's been a lot of traction in the past couple of years and and i think that i really think that our winery and our industry has come Further in the past five years than in the previous twenty, so yeah. we're really sort of um, you know on a on a steep growth curve, and it's just exciting to be a part of. Mm-hmm.
0: So. And the the past five, this is success of that. Do you just think it's it's people? I mean, it's probably a combination of things, right? Like people wanting more locally grown stuff. Um, maybe also the the government appreciating it a little more, but what do you really attribute that to just, just how,
1: you know, It's consumer driven, right? Like, I mean, I I think that it's people becoming conscious of what it is that they are eating and drinking and where it came from and how it was made and how it was farmed and sort of what the, you know, what all of that means. Mm -hmm. I mean, we all eat and drink every single day. So there's, you know, that's, that's obviously, you know, plays a big role in our economy and in our environment and in our relationships. So, um, yeah, I, I really think that it's mostly consumer-driven. Right. Like we can make this great product, but if there's no market for no it, no one to then, drink it, right? Exactly. Yeah. So I, I really think that if anything, we're having a hard time keeping up with demand, and I think that's reflective of the fact that there's people out there that are we sort care. of drawn yeah. to a product that's made in a way and by people that they appreciate.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm sure that um, the the marketing has helped, like putting a face to the name, and and you guys are obviously a little bit younger, and maybe people are connecting connecting with that as well, because wine tends to have this kind of stuffy reputation mm-hmm. a little bit, maybe more so than beer or, or spirits, um, and I think, for me, it's it's been nice to see a winery come along that sort of, and I think we're seeing more and more of it, not just you guys, like mm-hmm. that has this youthful yeah. approach, and mm-hmm. I I think someone in their 20s or 30s can say, okay, I can, I can get down with that, I can yeah. understand yeah. that,
2: which yeah. Yeah, is cool. Yeah. One of my favorite things that Ashley ever said was, wine should not be stuffy or pretentious, pretentious. It should be delicious and compelling. Mm-hmm. And so like when I heard that, I never forgot it because I just think that that is just so such a great um, statement and reflection about wine and especially this industry. Yeah, no, sure. I
1: mean, we take our farming and wine making seriously and then everything else we try and have some fun. But not yourselves. Right, yeah, exactly, yeah, Yeah. right. I think that's
0: important. Yeah. Um, Well, I know your tasting room room is about to open up and we were gonna go down and maybe drink a flight and talk a little bit about, you know, get into the nitty gritty of the wine, so. Cool,
1: let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Yeah, thank
0: you. So you probably noticed it's a lot louder where we are because we came down the hill to the tasting room, which is beautiful. You said you just built it, what, 18 months ago? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. gorgeous in here. Um, so we're just gonna try a couple
2: of wines. Um, Lisa, do you want to talk about maybe the first white? Yeah, absolutely. So the first white that we're gonna try, this is um, actually a Syrah Rosé um, Petit Natural, which just means naturally sparkling. Um, it's an ancient old method of um, sparkling wine production out of Europe, but it's kind of just um, coming back to life here. Um, and we are the first to produce it in this state. Oh, it's a beautiful color. Yeah, it's oh, gorgeous. Um, it's kind of more orangey than uh, typical rosé, right? Um, well, depend stylistically, it depends. Okay. But okay. yeah, Dependent I mean, great variety. Rosés can can range in their color spectrum pretty dramatically. Okay. Um, so this is Syrah rosé. This is produced from our home vineyard here. So this is produced here from our home vineyard is where it's grown, uh, and so essentially we pick this. Um, From from the vineyard, we press it. The wine ferments in tank, and as it starts to near the end of fermentation, we put it in the bottle, which is where it completes its fermentation, creating a small amount of sparkling. Under a crown cap.
1: Yep. Under a a crown cap. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's essentially bottle conditioned. So like a classic home brewer would make a bottle conditioned beer, uh, which means they're going to add some form of Fermentable sugar and some yeast, and then bottle it, and then a little fermentation happens in the bottle. And in addition to alcohol, Ooh. CO2 is a byproduct of fermentation. So we're essentially bottle conditioning this wine. It's not blended, it's not fine, it's not filtered, it's just a, this is like the rawest reflection of the vineyard there is yeah. because
0: talk about like ingredient-driven. Exactly. Yeah. There's nothing
1: in this wine except for Syrah grapes grown here. All and the winemaker has yeah. the winemaker has no fingerprints on it. Um, so that's really the fun of this wine. And sort of why it's a bit unpredictable and I think that sort of spontaneous nature is why we love it. It's why John Bonet loves it. Right it's up. just really a cool exactly wine. You like got that right that yeah. outlier right out
2: That's up, right. right. right.
0: Yeah. And this, I mean, it's so crisp and refreshing. Yes. I mean, obviously you'd kind of want a kind of hot sunny day for this sort of drink. Um, I'm sure this has been really popular for you guys. right?
1: Also. It's sold out, so like this is like one. Of, we're like just pulling this out because it's really delicious. And oh fun. well, so thank
0: this you. This is guys. a treat. Yeah. So will it yeah. be available for people listening? Will it be available later in the summer, or how? Can no, people... but it's but
1: it's um, predece- It's uh, counterpart. Ne- counterpart. <laughs> thank you. Will be. Yeah. Okay. So we have um, this year in 2016, we made another Albarino, another Gruner Veltliner, and and a Barbera Rosé. So we made this exact style of wine, but from a different grape variety. and it's Mm -hmm. also very delicious again just
2: experimental
0: Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. so so, it'll be similar in this as as far as like oh christmas refreshing absolutely style is
1: is very similar cut from the same cloth but like sort of the idea is like when you come to old westminster winery every couple of months you're going to see a new flight of wines every time because mm-hmm. like we make very limited production wines this wine we made less than 50 cases of this wine wow. mm-hmm. so I mean and as it if sold that, out the there's a thousand that we released members it. in our wine club so like there's not that's even a bottle per person it's saying. just like gone yeah
0: so you guys have a wine club and as members of the wine club you've got kind of exclusive access mm-hmm. to yeah, all your yeah stuff. and as it
1: as, and as, as the club grows we're moving more and more in the direction of sort of like catering to the club first
0: that's exciting yeah Yeah. yeah be in the club <laughs> <laughs> Join the crew, girl. <laughs> I will. That's so cool. And you said you have a thousand members
3: already. We do. Yeah. That's and we'll actually be releasing the 2016 Pet Net Barbera Rosé at the end of April. Okay.
2: So. To the wine club. Yes. Got it. And then probably
0: people in like Baltimore can will start seeing it in liquor stores after that. Or Never. We've, not we've We don't. We don't altogether. have enough. Okay. So yeah. you have to come out to the winery to, to come get it. Or farm. online. Okay. Yeah,
1: so like directly from us, either at the tasting room or on the website, we ship six bottles of anything complimentary. So like that's our new answer for like how we get wines to people that can't come here. Yeah. But like we've stopped wholesaling. So gotcha. No so more you have to no come more liquor here. stores, yeah. yeah. But
0: I, I think that's part of the experience. I would rather come out to a winery and enjoy the wine there and talk to the people and see the land and it's really not that far guys it's like an hour tops from Baltimore so (laughs) hopefully everyone will will make it out this summer Um, all right we're gonna do the red next this is revelry revelry I like the name thank you I'm gonna
2: talk a little bit about how it's made and yeah absolutely so revelry is a blend of um, predominantly Cabernet Franc and Blas Francish it also has Cabernet Sauvignon Merlot and Syrah Um, so it's a complete composite of those five varieties it's stylistically one of the lighter reds that we produce here Um, and it was really designed to be that Um, a lot of the reds that we create are um, very concentrated and full-bodied and this is just like a little bit of a lighter more approachable Um, and so this wine is just notes of um, black currant and pepper. It's got this cab franc spice to it.
3: Mm-hmm. Cherry, plum. It has, yeah. a lot, it has a lot of layers. The different varieties will add some flavor. Yeah.
1: It's it's black pepper. It's leafy for me. Mm-hmm. I like it.
3: Mm-hmm. It's, it is really, really light, though, for a yeah. red. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like
0: my... Um, breads with that black pepper mm-hmm. uh, spice to it a little bit. So this is really nice. Mm-hmm. And is this a popular one for you guys or?
1: Very much, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah definitely. And, and this is like an all season red wine because it is sort of like kind of bright and fresh and not, it doesn't require um, a full meal. Like you can sit outside on a, on a nice summer night yep. and enjoy this wine. Um, we also make um, some other red wines that are a bit fuller bodied, sort of broader shoulders. Yeah. And you know, these are more massive wines that really stand up to Food. you this want is, like
2: a steak dinner for those yeah, yeah this but is not an approachable this is this
1: pizza is their, this is pasta this yeah, is no food absolutely. at all yeah.
0: yeah oh it's really nice and yeah. if people want this they obviously have to come this will be available at the winery as well yes or, okay, okay. Uh-huh. yeah exactly This yes, is really great well, thank you guys so much for having me, and it was so great to come out here, and anytime I can, you know, take a road trip that ends with alcohol, <laughs> <And there you laughs> it's go. all, all good. Um, so if people want to find you guys online and, and on social
3: media, what's the best way to, to do that? We're oh. at oldwestminster.com, Old Westminster Winery on Facebook and Instagram. And they, you guys do also a weekly uh, video podcast, or how would you say? On YouTube as well, yeah. Yep. And we do Facebook a, live. Yep, a live show on Facebook every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Okay. Awesome. Wine for, yeah. Wine for lunch. Wine for lunch if you guys ever get bored on a Tuesday. That's
1: great. Right. Um, well, thank you guys. Cheers. 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 Thank you guys. Thanks thank for coming. Yeah.